on this episode of Why Watch That. And when you hear the title, you might be going, is this like an animated thing? Like you could see the drawer open up and all the old knives come out and do a dance. No. So I don't want to hear this about nobody talk like this is ridiculous. Settle down. Okay. With all due respect. Yes. Cool. I want to know what love is. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So now we're going to move from. I want to feel. I want to feel okay. what love is. Doogie Howser, MD. <laughs> Remember that producer? <laughs> Sweet dream or a beautiful nightmare. Either way, I don't want to wake up. But then she says, turn lights on. Explain that, Beyonce. It'll be turning lights off if you don't want to wake up. <laughs> Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why I Watch That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. Uh-oh. <laughs> Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, everyone, look. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. Hey, so we are back with a TV episode. Hey, Critic, how you doing? I'm good. How about you? We got some movies in here, too. How dare you leave them out? Oh, sorry, movies. Um, <laughs> no, wait a minute, so producer. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like yes. We do. Well, I mean, you know, there's more TV to talk about. <laughs> but can you tell these people what in the world is going on with Why Watch That right now? Because, you know, we'll be coming to you sporadically. What's the time frame? What's the plan? When will things be settled? Yeah, producer, so, producer's going, critic, you dummy. I don't know any of these answers. Listen, I'm always <laughs> available. Critic, I mean, the producer always has a <laughs> has a plan. Um, the, the plan is evolving, guys. So so understand that we are fluid. Um, as of as you guys know, uh, our ref, our ref um moved on, and we are in the process of finding an appropriate replacement. I am stepping in and doing the best that I can, but I know there's somebody out here who's going to be a better suited partner for the Why Watch That experience than myself. So as of today, we have um, we've put out a call for people who are interested in going toe to toe with the critic. Um, oh and my goodness! The Why Watch That sphere, um, and so over the next probably. I'm probably going to give this about a 
four to six week process. Once we kick it off, we're going to mm-hmm. be testing out different, different voices to kind of see which one clicks similar to, you know, how they do on a view or like catfish. If you watch that show, um, oh my until, goodness. <laughs> until, until you remember when, when Max left and Eve had to find his new partner. Right. Um, uh, so I don't so remember we, that. Look, please. <laughs> You're lucky. I know who Neve is. <laughs> we are that's what we're doing guys so like we said before um this is a this is a what do we call it we'll call it a fluid pause it's like a it's kind of like a river that's hitting rocks and getting stuck a little bit and then loosening up um and oh the things goodness. that lo- the things that loosen up the uh the, the why watch that river is uh just things that we feel like we have to come to you and and fill in so expect a little more consistency to be back probably um Honestly, probably in the Q1. So we're thinking like June, like we'll actually have a settled program. Q2. Q, thank you. Yeah, see, this is why <laughs> we're here to support each other um, <laughs> in the Q2. Um, but to start seeing in the month of um, May, starting to see like, you know, just yeah. random people. So unfortunately, you won't have an opportunity to hear the producer's voice but you you will know that she is in the background um, helping to get a solid program set up for you guys. Mm-hmm. You think you're going to slink out of this? I don't know. I didn't release you. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was in training wheel moments, but ultimately, you know, you guys will yeah. have to ride on your own. Um, but yeah, so that is, that is the, the why I watched that update that the critic uh, was referring to. So yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So and what are we starting with? Yeah. Hold on, before we even go, mm-hmm. any listeners who like, uh, like ah, I want to put my hat in the ring um, on this uh, <laughs> <laughs> potential journey, feel free to uh, contact us on our um, Why Watch That Instagram page. You could DM us or you could um, reach out to info at whywatchthat.com. All right. All right. Now on to our regularly scheduled program. A Why Watch That First Look. So what are we doing? We're going to be going through the journey today. We're going to start with some sites never seen. We're going to say goodbye to some things. And we're also going to give you guys a little sneak peek into some stuff that has not yet been released. And we are opening up with movies. Our first look movie kickoff is The Adam Project. Um, The Adam Project is a Netflix movie um, directed by Sean Levy, stars Ryan Reynolds, Walker Scobell, uh, Mark Ruffalo, and it is categorized as an action adventure comedy. Um, currently available on Netflix. Critic, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so Ryan Reynolds, and they, you know, action comedy, you know, all of that stuff. Of course, it's Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Now, it is sci-fi, as they're saying, because Ryan Reynolds plays Adam, the Adam Project. And at the beginning of the movie, uh, we're in the future, it's 2050. And you know, you can time travel. How does that work? And he's being chased. He's being chased by someone played by Catherine Keener. Her name is Maya. Now he makes it out, but to when? To 2022. Now, if he goes back 28 years, He's a 12-year-old at this time. 
and he meets himself. Why? Was this on purpose? And what is 12-year-old Adam, played by Walker, how is he going to, you know, negotiate, deal with his older self? Is he pleased by his older self? Does he go, oh my goodness, this is me in, you know, 28 years? Or does he go, who's this fool coming in to my timeline and how does all of this work? Now, why has Adam decided to essentially abscond with this time-traveling spacecraft and go back in time. What was the urgency when he was told not to do so? Now, keep in mind, there is a character played by Zoe Saldana, Laura. How does she play a role in this? Also, of course, if it's 12-year-old Adam, what about the parents? Mom is played by Jennifer Garner. Dad is not alive in 2022. But he will be played by Mark Ruffalo. How does he pop up? In what way? How do all of these people work together? So what's, again, the impetus for Adam going back in time? It is urgent. And how do all of these characters play a role in that? And can he fix what the problem is? That's the question. Now, if you like Ryan Reynolds and you want to see him do Ryan Reynolds things in some time-traveling sci-fi thing. If that interests you, then you should watch this. It's easy to watch. I just had it on. I was like, okay, whatever. It's, you know, what I would expect. Um, it's that kind of thing. You know, he, Ryan and Walker going back and forth, that kind of banter and so on. And, you know, you're in serious situations, but we make a joke out of it. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, it's not heavy on special effects, I would say. You'll get some of it. Uh, the idea was kind of interesting. So I didn't mind it at all. So again, if you like Ryan Reynolds, you want to see him do sci-fi stuff, this would be what you would expect. Okay, sci-fi stuff, Ryan Reynolds, got mm-hmm. it. Cool. The producer's right. like, okay, what's next? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> next on the list. <laughs> all the old knives brought to us by... Um, Prime, Amazon Prime, that is. It is a now thriller. producer, they want they say call it Prime Video. Oh, Prime Video. You're right. That's what, That's my what they says. say. Okay, I will mm-hmm. respect their request. Prime video. I, you know, it gets real confusing. They say don't call it Amazon Prime Video. Don't, you know, call it Prime Video. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, Prime Video. Um <laughs> brought to us by those guys um but if you have amazon prime now the voice of the ref is coming if you have amazon prime you have prime video yes you also (laughs) have prop i mean what is i guess it's called Prime photo oh shipping too oh oh this photo this photo yeah there's some music stuff they got going yeah it's all very confusing amazon i'm sorry well yeah we're Mm. confused but we appreciate all that you're trying to do considering you continue to raise the price all right so um (laughs) we do Oh, back to this movie. If you guys forgot what it was called, it was called All the Knives. All the, All knives. the Old Knives. Oh, <laughs> All the Old <laughs> Knives. Thriller. <laughs> All the Old Knives Thriller by uh, director Jonas Metz. Um, starring uh, uh, Chris Pine, Tandy Newton. Um, let's see. The other two majors yeah. really are Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. And Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price, right. Mm-hmm. As, as I look through, I'm like, yeah, they probably probably more important. Even though IMDb put them on a totally different I told you list. about IMDb. 
they, it's it's like order of like pop, I don't know that you can't trust the order of actors on IMDb like they're the main ones you can't trust Noted. it mm-hmm. noted duly noted well guys critics gonna tell us like what is this about and who should be watching it yeah and when you hear the title you might be going is this like an animated thing like you could see the drawer open up and all the old knives come out and do a dance no, no. like you said producer <laughs> it is a thriller so what's happening? Well, there's a terrorist attack on a plane. And this is a CIA failure. They were supposed to stop this. And in particular, it's the Vienna station of the CIA that's involved. Now we go forward eight years. And the chief of the Vienna station, Vic Wallinger, played by Lawrence, assigns Agent Henry Pelham played by Chris, to investigate a CIA mole who assisted with that attack eight years ago. But is there a mole? If so, who could it be? Now, there's a familiar phone number that might be linked to that attack, but the number was used by one of two people. Either Bill Compton, played by Jonathan, who was second in command at the station, or former agent Celia Harrison, who's played by Tandy Way, whose name now is Celia Favreau by marriage. Now, keep in mind that Celia and Henry had a relationship all those years ago. Hmm. So what is going to happen with all of these players? Now, what I would say about all the old knives and the producers going, that's it? You're done with this? Yes. What I would say about this is it's not special enough in an overcrowded genre. I mean, spy thrillers, you know, MI5, CIA, whatever. How many times are going to see this kind of thing? The story needs to be more potent. I just didn't care enough. But the cast kept it from being a complete bore fest. That's what I would say. Chris and Tandy Way, they have a natural unforced chemistry. That's the main draw. Uh, They have this central conversation going through where he's investigating. Is it her? You know, they're sitting in a restaurant across from each other. You know, they have all this, you know, tension in the air. Like, that's really the main thing. And they use that as a device to shuttle back to different events. So we get more of the puzzle filling in. That's why I don't want to fill it in so much. When it comes to Lawrence and Jonathan, of course, I mean, they provide gravitas. Also... Jonathan and Chris, you know, Chris has to interview him. So you have that tete-a-tete. And the supporting cast, I would say, they are all professional. But is it enough? It's all very respectable, but maybe too much so. For much of it, I was just thinking, okay, where's the heat? The disjointedness of the storytelling might be to blame on that count. I mean, they just couldn't build enough momentum because of that. And the story just seems familiar in a lackluster sort of way. But of course you get this twist at the end if you last that long. So here's what I would say. If you just wanna watch like these people talk to each other along with some love scenes, you do get some love scenes, you get a little bit of skin, have at it, but it's definitely should be seen on Prime Video. Don't, I wouldn't go to a theater to see it. There you go. All right. God. What about you, producer? Are you gonna are you gonna wade through the jungle of Prime Video to find this? All the old <laughs> knives. All the old knives. No, uh, not not me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why not? Yeah. How dare you say no so brusquely? I'm like, I mean, like you said, we've seen a million spy movies. Mm-hmm. 
you know. I mean, maybe if I'm in like a spy movie, you know, if I'm after a, a new spy movie, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I fast forward through so much stuff. That's what I love about streaming. <laughs> when I get tired, I just start fast forwarding through. We do need we do need a replacement because you can't be the one. How dare you? How offensive. We are trying to help people watch things and you're talking about fast forward through it. Don't even pay attention. No, there's <laughs> moments that you want to just kind of sit in totally. Mm-hmm. But like when it gets a little like too much, I say uh, <laughs> use your freedom. <laughs> you say, where's where's uh, old Donovan boy? That's what you say. Bird notice. Oh, so silly. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. <laughs> now we're going to move on to a couple of shows we're going to say goodbye to. Mm-hmm. Seems so soon. Um, so wedding. long, farewell. farewell. I'll feed the saying goodnight. The Why Watch That Talk. Winning time. The Rise of the Lakers Destiny. HBO brought this to us. It's actually already been renewed for a second season and it is um it is ending soon. Now, what is this about? Uh the Lakers. Oh, don't even worry about it. All right. I'm just saying goodbye to these. <laughs> they don't deserve it. We already reviewed this. We have. So winning time, like you said, Atlanta as well as on the list. Now people might be going at Atlanta. You're saying goodbye to Atlanta? Don't they have a whole other season coming? Well, before I get to that, but winning time, I talked about producer. My brother and I were watching this. You know, we are basketball fans. We are Lakers fans. Well, we have been. Mm-hmm. I won't I won't go further into that. <laughs> we were Lakers fans before, you know, certain changes on the roster. Anyway, so, and we've read books on the Lakers dynasty. Mm-hmm. Books mm-hmm. like okay, mm-hmm. so after the first episode, I was like, okay, interesting. Let's see where the second one goes. But the problem with this show is it has a lot of flash, but too much flash. Mm. Where's the substance? There's too many revolving parts going on, and it it doesn't quite gel. I do think they casted it well, but there is a problem with some of the depictions of people. Even like Jerry West, we're watching that going. We have never read anything or heard anything about Jerry West being like this. Mm. And then you look in the people who knew him and they go, I don't know this Jerry West. It's like, <laughs> just, it's a, it's a big mess. Mm. Um, and it, you know, I gave them enough episodes to get that together and they didn't enough enough. Uh, but if you like a mess, <laughs> if you like then, a mess, okay. Well, some people and we're do. trying to get people to watch. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Some people do like to watch. Right. It's not an irresponsible mess. Okay. I wouldn't say outside of certain depictions of people, but mm-hmm. that's on them. And then the whole thing about they didn't, you know, go to the Lakers or the NBA and get permission for stuff. It's a big, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Next. A mess. A mess. Atlanta, you know, um, I don't know if you've seen some of these discussions on social media, producer, but some of the fans aren't pleased mm-hmm. with season three so far. Uh, they were like, look, before this, it was about Paperboy, the grind, you know, making it. Where is that? Because they're doing like these Jordan Peele sort of things at certain moments. And then when you get to the main storyline again with Earn and Paperboy and so on, Lakeith's character and, you know, all of them, the Zazzy Beats character, it's kind of like, where are we going? Mm. Like, it, it's, I said it before, I don't want to think this show, I want to 
feel it. Mm -hmm. And because when you start thinking, it's just not that profound. I'm sorry, Donald. I'm sorry. Love the first two seasons. The first episode of this one, which was very Jordan Peele-ish, I thought kind of worked. But then you you get an episode where you're not there, then you come back to something like that. And it's just <sighs> like when we are going to do all of these things that are in the zeitgeist when it comes to, uh, you know, whatever the woke topic du jour is. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about it already. So if you're going to do that, what are you adding to the conversation that's smart and interesting that makes us go, oh, if you can't do that, I would say stay away from me. So to me, Atlanta is just, you know, if if Paperboy has made it and we just want to do, you know, they're in Europe, you know, and they're seeing all kinds of weird things that you might encounter when you were in, you know, certain circles where people have a lot of money and you're black and, you know, all this other stuff. Well, I'm not interested. Mm. Oh, well, at least, you know, it seems like they got, what, uh, two good seasons from Atlanta. Yeah. And they might get it together. And yeah. the fourth and final season might be great. I'm fine not finding out. Oh, <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> and goodbye to uh, <laughs> to the rise of the, well, winning time, the rise of the Lakers dynasty and Atlanta for the critics. But like he said, if you like a mess, continue to watch The Lakers Dynasty. And if you're interested in exploring Donald Glover, do Jordan Peele, continue to explore Atlanta. All right. Now we're going to get into some TV series premieres. Mm. Um, First one we have is Moon Knight brought to us by Disney+. Plus. This is a limited series. Mm -hmm. Um, All these Marvel shows are limited. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they, they got oh, like yeah, they, they're going to do one show for every character they've ever created in a Marvel comic. Go, go ahead. Before I start All right, Greg. I mean, I was going to say this was a Marvel, you know, show based on a Marvel comic, but Greg kind of took that out of my mouth. But, you know, <laughs> yes, this was uh, created by Jeremy Slater. Um, some of the, the characters we have, we have, uh, what is this? Oscar Isaac, um, May. Callumway, uh, Ethan Hawke. So yeah, uh, Critic, what is Moon Knight? What it's about? (laughs) Well, you have three characters who are intertwined. Let's start there. You have Steven, and he's like the main character. He's living in London, and he has a broad Cockney dialect, played by Oscar Isaac. Now, when the trailer came out, people were like, what is this? you know, dialect, what is going on? There's a reason why he's speaking that way. But I do kind of find it hilarious. And, uh, you know, our um, our British cousins, I need to talk to them. Because a lot of them are going, oh, nobody talks like this. You know, it's ridiculous. Blah, blah. It's not that ridiculous. You know, they go, it's like Dick Van Dyke all over again. Okay, it's not that bad. And we over here in the States don't really come for y'all as much as we should with all of y'all actors do American dialects. And I put that in quotes that sound like nobody. It doesn't even sound like standard American. <laughs> it sounds like what British people sound like when they do American. And a lot of you, even the great ones do it. A lot, Benedict. A lot of y'all do it. So I don't want to hear this about nobody talk like this is ridiculous. Settle down. Okay. With all due respect. Yes. 
Everybody, Let's that up. that's right. If you want to insult people at the end, say with all due respect, all due respect, everything's yes. forgiven. We teach you what to watch and how to clean up things. <laughs> yes, you have to be civilized in your fury. <laughs> I'm just kidding, God. Now, so there's Stephen, and Stephen, you know, he calls himself a gift shopist in one of the scenes. He works at a gift shop. Um, you know, at a museum and, you know, he's interested in Egyptian mythology and, you know, all that kind of stuff, the gods and goddesses and all that stuff. But his boss will not allow him to be a tour guide. No, 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 no. You would just sell merchandise to children. Why won't she let him be a tour guide? He seems to know a lot about it. I mean, they have this whole exhibit where they deal with the Aeneid. Now, if you know what that is, like an Aeneagon, it's a nine-sided polygon, which means nine. So, but they only have seven of the gods. He's like, where are the other two? That kind of thing. She's like, shut up, do your job. Okay. Now, Stephen hears this voice in his head in a certain scene early on. And this voice says, where's Mark? And where's this voice coming from? Now, Stephen, by the way, at night, like, locks himself into the bed. He has, like, almost a chain with a a thing you can put on your ankle to keep himself in the bed. He locks the door and tapes his door so he can't get out. Why? He has no memory of what he's doing at night. Hmm. So he awakens like far away from his home, not chained in, a voice saying, where's Mark? The idiot's back. Like, okay, what is this? Now, there is a main villain played by Ethan Hawke. His name is Arthur. He's a cult uh, leader. And what he does is he renders the judgment of the Egyptian goddess Amit. What does this mean? What judgment? Now, there is another Egyptian god, Khonshu, and he is the god of the moon, moon night. Mm -hmm. And Khonshu claims to be the true protector of justice. But the issue between Amit and Khonshu, really uh, embodied by their avatars, is Stephen one of them? Yes. But is it Stephen? Mm. Or is it somebody else? And Arthur is the avatar of Amit. So the issue is, how are we going to enact justice? Are we going to do it before the dirty deed is done? Like a minority report sort of thing. We know you're about to do something bad. We'll take care of you now before you do it. Or is it better to like actually let people have free will if that exists and wait until they've committed the dirty deed to then enact justice? Mm-hmm. Amit is about getting it done beforehand. Khonshu is about getting it done afterhand. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, Stephen is in possession of something very valuable to these people and important, but he doesn't know it. The people around him do, and the people in him do. Mm. Mm. There's also another character, Layla, who comes in. Early on, he finds this phone. Whose phone is it? Her name is all through it, been calling. Who is this person played by May? How is she going to play a role here? Because she hears his voice and her reaction is, what is going on? 
Where's Mark? Now, the first episode producer, I liked it as a piece of entertainment. Mm. Oscar Isaac, we all know can act. And it was fun to see him run around and be confused and do this broad cockney, you know, latest gators. No, nobody says that. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it's just fun to watch that happen. Yeah. And then hear these voices and all of that. It's very Venom-like. Now, I didn't see the second Venom that I know some people don't like. I saw the mm-hmm. first one. Like, the whole thing with Tom Hardy talking, being the regular person, and then Venom, and that it's kind of like that. And I found in the first episode that it was entertaining. I was entertained by it. Uh-huh. But... In the second episode, and I've seen, that's what I've seen, the first two, they lost the narrative steam. Mm. Just why does every show have to meander? It's because they give these episode orders before all the scripts are written, and they have to stretch the story out to meet the episode order, and it becomes a lengthy mess. Mm. That needs to be fixed. It ain't up to me to fix it, but it is up to me to call it out, and I will do it every single time. It's meandering. After a certain point... Okay, so let's put it to you this way, producer. You are witnessing things that are supernatural and dangerous. All right, like Steven sees like these kind of jackal demon things only he can see. Mm-hmm. If somebody inside of you is talking to you, okay, and saying, give up control of your body, let someone else take over, would you say, yeah, go ahead because I'm out of my depth? And all of this is crazy. Would you say, no, because I don't want you to kill people. <laughs> yeah, I would totally go with the former. That's just I mean, me. it's like obvious. <laughs> Do we need to keep this going for so long? Like, you just, after a while, you're like, okay, I'm tired of this. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. It's dumb. So I, I stopped caring by then. Plus, in the second episode, I had issues with some of the effects. Mm. In the like first the, episode. the quality of them? Or the, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, they. Mm, I was like, we need to do a little more development on some of these effects. The first episode, they hid a lot. Like, so the fight would be off screen. You would see like, you know, a fight happens in the bathroom. You'd see like a sink come flying out of the door. It was more effective. Mm-hmm. That whole jackal thing, I didn't like the jackal. Now, Khonshu, I do think is interesting. He's like, if you know, um, if you know Dark Crystal... He's like a skeleton of a Skeksy. That's what he looks like. Okay. I just thought that was kind of fun. And F. Murray Abraham does his voice. Like, that was fun, too. Mm-hmm. Oscar can act. Great cast. F. Murray Abraham, great cast. Ethan Hawke is fine. It's no problem. So just the effects were a problem for me. I, I just didn't feel that there were high enough stakes because of them. Um. So here's what I would say with all of that. It's for Oscar and F. Murray Abraham. That's why you watch it. Really, that's what it is. Uh, if you like the first Venom movie, you know, it doesn't really reach that movie's lows or highs. Um, but that's the kind of flavor. If you just want to see that across, what, six episodes? Yeah, six episodes. There you go. Will I watch episode three? Mm, maybe, maybe. Maybe. All right. So there you have it. Moon Knight. Disney Plus, limited edition. On to the next one, The Informant, brought to us by uh, HBO Max. 
from Hungary.、Mm-hmm. It is a movie that is about a、um, TV a show. Drama,、producer. thriller, t- no, all in the wrong category. It's a TV show、um, about, about a, a, a kid who. Um, goes to college, he's excited, he thinks he's gonna, you know, have the time of his life away from his parents, and then he is blackmailed into becoming a spy of some sort.、Um, critics gonna totally go into who's starring in it because I can't pronounce any of these names, so I think it's probably、mm-hmm. best to punt it to you. Yeah, well, honestly, we don't know these actors,、okay. so you know. <laughs> No offense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, but you know, there's <laughs> Gurgly Varadi and Martin Potkos and so on. z a b o l t s Throatsy. All right. So give us a little more depth on what else you should be watching. I don't know what it is, people. I was, I'm going to res- put some respect on their name and not butcher it.、Yes. Um, but、uh, I、yeah. just butchered them. But you know, you, <laughs> when, look, when you butcher people's names, you butcher them with confidence. Confidently, and you apologize. <laughs> Noted. Look at that. We're just learn, teaching all, all through this episode today. Then,、um, <laughs> this is, look, if you want to be disrespectful, there's a way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, critic, what is this about? And who should be watching this? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I've seen the first three episodes, which they're the only、uh, episodes that have been released as of taping.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, You were talking about there's a kid, you called him, who goes to college. I think it's his second year、mm-hmm. in this show. And his name is Gary. And Gary is also、uh, like a chess expert. He's won chess tournaments. Now, keep in mind, this is in 1985 in Hungary.、Okay. So there's communism going on. You know, the whole thing can you get out of the country to do certain things? You know, can you get food, your living quarters, all of that's controlled by a central government.、Mm-hmm. So, chess is his way out. He has a younger brother. And of course, there's his father. Now, his father has to do certain things to, you know, keep the family going. And his younger brother has a special、uh, medical condition that requires special drugs. The drugs have to come from the government.、Mm-hmm. So, they can control this family via those drugs. They can say, hey, we'll give you the drugs if you do this. We'll take the drugs away if you don't.、Mm-hmm. So, a particular、um, agent of the government comes to Gary and says, I need you to inform on this anti communist revolutionary that's at this college. You went to school with him when you were younger. They don't know each other, but they went to school when they were kids.、Mm-hmm. So, when you go to college, you need to infiltrate this group. And report. If you don't, no drugs for you.、Mm-hmm. So, what's Gary gonna do? He's gonna become an informant. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if, you're, <laughs> if your younger <laughs> brother is gonna die because of this,、yeah. I guess you're gonna have to do it. <laughs> Now, he tries to reach out to his dad about it, and the dad is like,、uh, don't talk to me on the phone about this. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, whoa. <laughs> so, he goes there, and we meet his roommate. Uh, Mate, or however you say it. Now, his roommate is privileged. He comes from a wealthy family and he has this side hustle where he can get anything for people for a certain price.、Mm. How is that going to play a role?、Mm. Hmm. Also, we meet this leader of the anti communists here. And, you know, his name is Zolt Saba. And, you know, this guy's very serious. 
Okay, he, I don't think he's found any jokes funny ever in his life. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> he's very serious about toppling the communist regime. And this is not just something he believes. He has a personal connection. I won't tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. He has a personal reason why he wants to stop this. And then there are the people around him. In particular, uh, there is Kata. Kata. Sounds like that's what they're saying when I listen to it. Mm-hmm. And she is, you know, she is uh, Saba's girlfriend. She also has ideas about what's happening because her father works for the government. And something goes on involving these three where they get locked up, but they get out. And she's suspicious. It's Sava. And where is all of this going to lead? Now, what I will tell you, everybody, is for HBO Max, when you go there and you stream any of their international productions, what they will do for us is automatically give you Um, the English dub. So if you don't want that, you have to go into your settings of whatever device it is, select the English subtitles and select the original language. So that's what I do. Here I chose the Hungarian. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the actual actor speaking and the subtitles. So just know that that's going to have to happen if that's how you want to receive this. Now, with that said, what I would say is The show I kept thinking about, producer, that I recommended to you was the Deutschland series, Deutschland Mm -hmm. 83, 86, 89. Mm -hmm. That's what kept coming back to me with this. Um, So if you want something sort of like that series and you don't mind that this isn't quite as compelling so far as Deutschland, not quite, then this would be good for you. I do want to say, though, for through the first three episodes, it's definitely good. Like, I do want to see what's going on in episode four. I'm with it. Um, It's just, I keep thinking of Deutschland. It's not quite as good, but it's definitely close enough. So there's the informant. Got it. Got it. Okay. So now we move on from Hungary to Australia with our next TV series premiere called Love Me that you can find. We need the plane on the map that they show when you fly. (laughs) Yeah, right. Love Me, brought to us by Hulu, um, formerly on a streaming network called Binge. And it is a drama series um, that has, yeah, people that we probably do not know, but the critic will dig into the show and let us know who should watch it. Yeah. Love me or leave me or let me be lonely. Okay. So I'm going to give something away. First of all, because it makes it easier for me to talk about. Second of all, because if you read the description of this on Hulu, they give it away. All right. So we're not spoiling. (laughs) No, we never do. Nope. So with that said, there is uh, a married couple. They have two children. Now, their children basically are grown. One is a full-fledged doctor. The other is about to be a lawyer. Okay. And it's their 40th wedding anniversary. Four, zero. Now, Hugo Weaving plays the patriarch, Glenn Matheson. And, you know, he's kind of like, I love my wife. I'm devoted to my wife and so on and so forth. And his wife, I believe, is played by Sarah Pierce. Now, here's the issue. Years ago, 
Sarah had, or I should say Christine is the wife's name. Christine had an accident. She was in an accident and she lost a limb. Now, of course, this has changed who she is. And Glenn cares for her, you know, helps her in and out of the bed and helps her get clothed and so on. She's in a lot of pain. But hey, it's a wedding anniversary. They're still going strong. And their two kids are Clara and Aaron. Clara played by Bojana Novakovic and Aaron played by William Lauder. Now, the four of them are there to celebrate this wedding anniversary. How does it go down? Mama seems to be much more devoted to her son than to her daughter. Why? She and her daughter, they bump heads. Glenn, dad is in the middle trying to keep the peace. You know, he's cooked this wonderful meal, all of that. Is it all going to end in disaster? And what happens is not too long from that uh, wedding anniversary celebration, well, Christine ends up passing away. What are the circumstances? I won't tell you. So the rest of them, three of them, have to deal with this fallout. Now, they each deal with it differently. When it comes to Clara, who really is the main character-ish, along with Glenn, but she'd probably be more of the main character than Glenn. Now, I mentioned she's a doctor. We would call her an anesthesiologist here in the States. Down under, they call it an anesthetist. Now, we do have anesthetists here, but it's not quite the same. So, you know, from the States, she's an anesthesiologist. She has a best friend who works at the hospital with her. You know, they work together. But this best friend, she has her life together. She has a wife. She has a kid. And she's looking at Clara going, if you want the love thing, you want it to last, well, you're going to have to do certain things to get it. You know, you can't be so resistant to everything. You got to open up. You got to start trusting people. That whole kind of thing. Now, Clara, you know, every now and then she likes to go to the uh, to a store that's close to where she lives and and get a bunch of junk in a cup. That's what it is. You know, candies and things like that all in a cup. And when she's doing this, you know, she's looking her worst because, you, you know, she's just making a run out. You know, when you leave your apartment and you yeah. go to the store, and you want to come back quickly. Well, while she's in the candy aisle, she bumps into this guy. Who is this person? His name is Peter, played by Bob Morley. Now, what? Imagine you see her doing all of this, you know, dressed down, <laughs> mm-hmm. stuffing all kinds of crazy stuff in a cup from the candy aisle. What are you going to think? And then when they leave the store, what happens? Well, they find out that they're closer than they could have imagined. I won't tell you what that means. Okay. So what's going to happen between Clara and Peter? What's going to develop, if anything? And who is Peter? Because he's always dressed like he's about to go out on a run. What does that mean? Now, when it comes to Aaron, the son, I mentioned, you know, he's about to be a lawyer. He's interviewing to have, you know, a clock ship, as they call it, or a clerkship is what we would call it. <laughs> and so, you know, the thing is, though, he has this best friend and, you know, the two of them are, you know, doing the law thing. She seems to have it together. He does as well. I mean, he is a nerd, as they call him, but he's being distracted by this girlfriend. 
And this girlfriend that he has is a free spirit. She's a DJ. You know, she's trying to get that career going. And she just wants to go around the world and do her gigs. And hey, Aaron, you can come along for the ride. Is that the right fit for him? That's the question. Hmm. Mm. And then if we come back to Glenn, after his wife has died, you know, is his life basically now going to be what it is? Done, lonely, you know, wife is gone. Well, what he did as a wedding anniversary present to his wife is he bought them, you know, this romantic excursion, you know, where you do the couple's massage at a resort and that whole kind of, you do facials, you know, this romantic, they had a romantic, you know, uh, a room, you know, that whole kind of thing. What's he going to do with that trip? Now, because of this trip, he meets someone. Who is this person? Who is she exactly? And what's going to develop between the two of them? His wife just passed away. But remember, he was taking care of her for a long time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, here's what I have to say about this. And I mean this with all due respect. See that? I'm... I, I, See how you teach here, producer. You, oh, you give examples, goodness. you explain it, then, and then you do it again. Implement, later. yes. Yeah. Now this, I'm saying this before I go into this. <laughs> With all due respect, this is soap opera bunk. Mm. But that, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But especially early on, I was looking at this laughing, going, this is just, <laughs> it's not even ridiculously presented, which is a credit to them. Oh. They present it very responsibly, but... If you think about it, it's okay. I mean, they look, they took producer foreigners. I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. Uh huh. And like, did this other rendition that keeps coming up. I was laughing, like, this is hilarious. So it's soap opera bunk in the best way for mm-hmm. that, with Hugo and a cast that's mostly capable. That's what you get. But it's really easy to keep watching. Hmm. And it's actually quite nice to look at at certain points. When they go to this resort, it's beautiful. Like, I'm like, I'm going to Melbourne. I didn't know Melbourne looked like this. You know, jokingly. (laughs) Some of it, Mm. it looks great. Especially when they're outside, when they're not in the interiors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Now, for most of the characters and the storylines, I don't really like much of them. (laughs) Like, these people uh now hugo's character glenn is definitely the most engaging and believable the character in the storyline if i could say that believable in this context if i could say that um but that's no surprise it is hugo weaving so i would say it's a it's a gently and responsibly soapy drama with a little bit of everything you get the medical stuff so like if you like a medical drama you get a little bit of that you get different stages of romance. So you get some of that because they all have some sort of romantic entanglement. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have stupid decisions from a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's for the This Is Us crowd. Okay. If you want to see people show some skin occasionally. Mm-hmm. Okay, they do. And if you'd like to forego all the timeline shenanigans from This Is Us. So mm-hmm. that would be here. However... You won't experience any of This Is Us's high points or its low points here. Plus, Love Me has just six episodes in this first season that you can binge rather easily on Hulu. Now, keep in mind, in Australia, it's produced and released 
by a streaming service called Binge. Binge. <laughs> yes. Mm. So there you go. Love me. Cool. Love I want to know what love is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So now we're going to move from. <laughs> I want to feel. I want to feel what love is. Leave love me in Australia. <laughs> so the critic can leave that song back in Australia as we go into Tokyo for uh oh, the, the plane, the plane to fly to Tokyo now. <laughs> TV series premieres. Tokyo Vice is a prom drama created by uh, JT Rogers based off of a book. Um, it premiered um, as a taping on April 7th uh, on HBO Max. Yeah. Look at you, producer. Look at how good you get at this. You're Listen, talking like a pro. Look at that. You know, See, that's why you think you're getting away. You're not going to get away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Tokyo Vice. Mm-hmm. So we, like you said, it's based on a book. It's based on um, a book by the main character here, Jake Adelstein. Um, he was a reporter in Tokyo in the 90s. He's American. How is that possible? <laughs> and he's not Japanese American. He's white. He's Amer- mm, got it. So this is based on a true story. Huh. And Ansel Elgort, our favorite from Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Tony there and, you know, Baby Driver, that whole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He plays Jake. And early on, we see him studying. Studying hard in Japan. And the producer has a connection to Japan. Okay, all right. <laughs> studying hard. And the reason is he wants to take an entrance exam to be a reporter for one of their major newspapers. Macho is the name of it. Now, first of all, if you aren't in, you know, a certain Asian culture, you might be going, wait a minute, to get a job, you have to take an entrance exam? Yeah. It's like taking the SAT or something. All these people in the room, you got to take it. Your score will determine your employment. Mm -hmm. Whoa. So that's what he's studying for. Now, when he enters the room, the proctor's like, you know, this is in Japanese. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I know. Thank you. Now he whips through this test. At the end, he's looking around at the people going, oh, y'all still working. What's going to happen as a result of that? Is he right to be so cocky? Hmm. Now, you know, he's going to have to be employed by this newspaper. I mean, it's Tokyo Vice. Why would we watch this feat? Is it going to be? And we do find out that he has been studying Japanese literature. That's what he studied in college for like three years. You know, he's interviewed finally by the newspaper to see whether he's going to get this job. Ultimately, they are impressed by his skills. And he has to start at the bottom like everyone else does. And what that means is he's on the cop beat. That's where you start. Now, there are particular rules when it comes to reporting in Japan. There are forms you have to follow. There's certain ways you divulge information. Really, if it doesn't come from the cops officially, you are going to have a hard time reporting it. So essentially, you're regurgitating their statements. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, he wants to break these rules. And so he has an immediate boss. And she's like, first of all, you're going to respect me. Second of all, you are going to follow these rules. And if you don't, if I have, keep have to having to fix what you're doing, you will be fired. 
because she has a boss, of course. And right. he is like, why are you allowing this to come to my desk? Now, there are also two other um, new reporters who are become friends with um, Jake and so on. They are Japanese. And so they form like this trio, you know, where they can commiserate and so on and have a good time. Now, Jake, he wants to get scoops. That's what he's here for. Mm -hmm. And there is a particular detective he sees played by Ken Watanabe. Can he reach this man? Because if he could, that would lead to some scoops, potentially. But Ken's character, Hiroto Katagiri, he's a very good detective and he ain't no dummy. Now, Jake also starts having a connection with the underworld. And at the very opening of the uh, show, by the way, you see some of these people in the future and you go, okay, so we know where we're going. I won't tell you what that is, but okay. So there's this club where, you know, men can go there and, and have a good time with certain women. And, you know, there's a woman up on the stage who sings, you know, and they pour your drink and, you know, that, that whole kind of thing. And Jake ends up going here and he meets another American, Samantha, played by Rachel Keller. What's that about? Now, this is her job. What is her job? Does Jake know what it is? And what's going to happen between the two of them? Because there is a certain crime figure who's also at this club. You know, the Yakuza's involved, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to say too much because I don't want them coming after me. But this guy has his eyes on Samantha. Now, does he really want to be a gangster? What's happening with him? We see more of his backstory. How did he become a gangster? How did he get involved? And keep in mind, in, in Japanese culture, it's all about respect. There's hierarchy, even in the crime world. There's hierarchy. Well, we know in the crime world, there's always hierarchy and respect. Huh. So how is all of this going to come to a head? And there is another detective who tries to show Jake the ropes. Now, if Jake can learn this, maybe he can get to Hiroto. So, okay. With that said, the first episode producer, I did like it. I have to say. Now, Michael Mann directed that. Michael Mann of Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so on. So that Michael Mann. Got it. And when it comes to Michael Mann... Uh, Last Mohicans, Heat, Manhunter, and so on. The Insider. Collateral. Hmm. So when it comes to Michael Mann, as I've just listed a lot of movies that he's done in Miami Vice, the movie and TV show he was responsible for, it really comes down to casting for him. The style is always going to be there. So if you think Michael Mann's style... You get that here. And in the first episode, when we were seeing, okay, where Jake is going to end up, and then we shuttle back and how he gets involved in the Metro newspaper and so on, there was rhythm, there was urgency, it was exciting, I was interested, and all of that covered over Ansel's glaring problems as an actor. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Then 
they lose the narrative momentum toward the end of that episode moving forward. And I don't think Michael directed any of the other episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm still watching it. I'm watching it with my brother. We're kind of like, we liked it at the beginning. And now it's like, eh, like we gotta move it forward. And the main problem, just like in West Side Story, is Ansel. I, I just, I can't, mm-hmm. I have to call it how I see it. <laughs> and this is what I was thinking watching this producer for Ansel. Mm-hmm. He has a narrow view of acting. In my, my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is what I see. Okay. I see an actor who goes, what am I doing? And let me be in that in the scene. Mm-hmm. Let me just experience the scene and say my lines and be there. That is not enough. If you really want to be a great actor, you almost have to think like a director. You have to say, what's the point of this scene? What's the goal? And how does my character serve that goal? For instance, when Jake meets Samantha, they sit at the table and he doesn't know certain things about her. When you're thinking about that scene as an actor, You go, wait, this is a seduction from Jake. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. So that at the end, when he figures out, oh, wait a minute, what am I actually seducing here? Then as an audience, the narrative works. Mm -hmm. And that scene failed, which actually derailed the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. That was the problem. Mm -hmm. So see, this is what happens when you cast someone who's not quite up to the task. They can mess up what you're doing, especially if you are not an actor's director. An actor's director would have said, cut, come here. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) we got to fix this because you're not landing it. Mm -hmm. Also, that makes us see Jake in a way where you go, well, how did this guy actually get into a Japanese newspaper as a white American? How did that happen? I don't care how good you are. Like you start questioning the narrative. Mm. And so... Okay, so if you like the style of Miami Vice, mm-hmm. I would say Miami Vice, the movie. Okay. Or the style of the original Blade Runner. Mm. And you want to see a fish out of water, reporter story, getting into crime with a white dude who manages to get that kind of work in 90s Japan, then Tokyo Vice is for you. All right. I do think that everybody else is more compelling. I do find the Japanese compare, uh, characters more compelling because they're clear on what their character is and how it fits the story, and there's a weight to them. But I'll probably watch um, episode four. Yeah. Is that where I am? Yeah. Episode four when it comes. Got it. All right. There you have it. Tokyo Vice. Now we're going to move into our sneak peeks. Why watch that sneak peek? The first one on the list is Anatomy of a Scandal, um, an upcoming British anthology drama series developed by uh, David Kelly, brought to us by uh, Netflix. And it's coming out as of taping Friday, April the 15th. This movie is uh, starring Santa Miller. TV show producer. I, keep, I don't know why I'm in movie land today. <laughs> I'm in movie 
plans today. This TV show <laughs> that maybe Freudian slip, maybe it's going to be turned into a movie at some point. Um, <laughs> Sienna Miller, um, Michelle Dockery, Rupert Friend, Naomi Scott, all in this uh, in this in this TV series. So, credit. What is it about? Mm-hmm. Who should be watching it? Oh. Now, interesting, you said it's British, but it's coming to us from David E. Kelly, the American, like, creator of, like, Ally McBeal and stuff. Practice. Doogie Howser, MD. (laughs) Remember that producer? (laughs) Anyway. And his co-developer is Melissa James Gibson, who's Canadian. Interesting. Hmm. So with that said, uh, I got to over halfway through the third episode out of six here. Okay. And we have an MP, a member of parliament, and he's a minister as well, played by Rupert James Whitehouse. And he's best friends with the prime minister himself. Now, James cheated on his perfect wife, played by Sienna Miller. And he cheated on her with a subordinate. Oh, Now, of course, this gets out, but so does a shocking allegation that leads to a criminal case. And the prosecutor on the case, played by Michelle Dockery, has a reputation for being relentless. She's just come off of a win. But where does she stand on sexual morality? Hmm. On the same score, where do the MP, his wife, and the PM stand? And what about the people advising them? What do they think? Also, what other revelations will come to light about these people's past lives? Now, with that, okay, David E. Kelly, this is what's happening. He's taking a provocative title, Anatomy of a Scandal, to England. And on his journey over there across the palm of this title, what he's delivered is perplexing blandness. I'm like, why is this so bland? Like, I mean, yeah, why watch this? When, for example, there is a very English scandal right now available on Prime Video. Mm. When it comes to that, it manages to be ridiculous and fun and well executed. Plus, unlike this show, that series is based on true events, which heightens it even more. So you could just watch a very English scandal if you missed it. Then watch its second season, which is called A Very British Scandal, when it's released on April 22nd. I'm shocked by this. And it's not the actors. Hmm. That's it. That was next. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> also coming to us on April 15th, uh, also another anthology, um, Roar roar um apple tv plus an apple tv plus show from liz flayhive and carly mench um the creators of glow which is a netflix series about wrestlers wrestler yeah. women um yes yes <laughs> yes, liz, yes. Mm-hmm. um and we have uh this this tv show is starting minute, to pause look at you producer knowing something wait a I, minute stop, stop i read headlines um <laughs> <laughs> Now, see, I'm trying to help you out, and you just taking yourself down on your own. <laughs> Go get 
Richmond, Cynthia Arrivo, um, Meredith Weaver, and a bunch of other people in this TV series. So, Critic, what is it about and who should be watching? Good question. Now, um, this one, it's eight episodes total. I made it into the third episode. And I'll tell you right now, that was more than I could take. Mm, okay. Hear me roar, right? Like when you, when you hear that title, what do you expect, producer, from Something, a show called Roar? Yeah, big, grand, interesting, yeah, bold. Mm-hmm, yes. Now, what happens is it's, it's based on a, a short story collection of the same name by Cecilia Ahern. Um, and like it won these awards and all this stuff. And it's, it's all about, you know, women and certain situations they get in, but it's handled like in almost a fantastical way. There are fantasy elements to it. Um, so there's, you know, different stories that represent different uh, struggles and the ways that they overcome certain obstacles. So in each episode here, you get a different story. The first one um, is centered around Issa Rae's character. And she plays someone who's just written, whose whose book has just come out, first book, big hit, you know, and it's about to be um, developed into like a movie or something, a TV show, I don't know. And so she's going out to the people who uh, bought the rights to the book to meet with them. Um, Now, the person who's her direct contact is a black guy, so she's kind of like, oh, you know, I didn't even know you were black, that kind of thing. And when she gets to the building of of this place, you know, where you have to, in certain buildings for security, they have to take your picture and that kind of thing. Yeah. Something goes on with that because she's black. You know, there's another black guy. He had the same thing happen to him. You know, and then she gets up and there's a bunch of white dudes who are like, oh, you know, we really appreciate your writing. You know, it grabbed us, you know, that one. It's that whole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like what I was talking about with Atlanta. If we're going to do this, you got to be really good at it. Mm-hmm. Episode two, Nicole Kidman is the lead in this. And, you know, she's dealing with her mother who is experiencing some sort of dementia. She got to move her mother out of her mother's home to live with her. What's that whole thing about? And then where do these like fantasy elements come in? Is the question. Mm-hmm. I won't give that away. But what I would say is this needs to be more than an idea or an exploration. It needs more energy. It needs stronger plotting. It needs a more insightful take, as I was saying, on the material. Where is the title? It's empty. And what I would say a partial fix would have been to add a consistent narrator to fill the void. That would it, it, almost... It sounds like they're on a soundstage because there's a there's a sound. If you ever pay attention to network TV, everybody, if you hear like it's almost like a blankness of sound mm-hmm. where if you were in a real world, you would hear something filling it in, even if there's a hum. But there's mm-hmm. like a blank sound. So that's what I hear. And it's like, why is this empty sound like it's mm. mm-hmm. now with all of that said, why would you watch this? I guess. If you liked CBS All Accesses, remember we had that before Paramount Plus? Oh, yeah. CBS All Accesses, Why Women Kill, if you like that. And you wouldn't mind seeing something that's much more low key. That's Roar, I mean, of all things. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like Nurse Jackie, I like Glow. Not Roy, not even close. 
Mm. No. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> last but not least, my sneak peek category also coming out on Friday, April the 15th. Outer Range brought to us by Prime Video. Drop the Amazon. Uh-oh, it is uh-oh. an America, <laughs> American mystery thriller um, created by Brian Watkins. Uh, this is the first season starring uh, Josh Brolin, Lily Taylor, um, Lewis Pullman, and a few other people. So, uh, Critic, what is this about and why should we be watching it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Okay. Deep inhale. I Stick think. with me because we are going into some strange territory, okay? It is called Outer Rage. So this show opens with the sight of Josh Brolin. He's riding a horse and then he starts running for dear life with something or someone on his back. And as this is transpiring, he delivers this voiceover. So listen carefully. You know anything about a Greek god called Kronos? He carried a sickle and used it to cut a hole, a tear in the cosmos between heaven and earth to separate this world from the next, to separate the known from the unknown. The world has been waiting for something like this. What? (laughs) Okay. But be careful. You have to keep those words in mind. You like my Josh Brolin invitation there for this? You like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, <my> goodness. <laughs> I am available, everybody. If you if you pay me the right money, just oh, info at whywatchthat.com. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, that's how we start. And then we shuttle back three days. We're three days earlier. Royal Abbott. That is Josh's character's name. He's a rancher in Wyoming. And his wife is Cecilia, played by Lily. And Cecilia's family has owned their land for 100 years. But how did these two meet exactly? Well, they met as kids. After Royal was orphaned and Cecilia's family took him in. Why do we need to know that? Now, they have two grown sons. One named Rhett rides bulls at the rodeo. And the other named Perry, who, by the way, is played by Laura Linney's uh, brother in Ozark. That actor, same guy. Well, Perry has a wife, Rebecca, and a daughter, Amy. But Rebecca's been missing for nine months. How's the search going? Who's involved in it? Is anyone else missing? Well, the acting sheriff has been doing her best to get down to the bottom of it. Plus, there's an election coming up, and she wants to win. She don't want to be acting no more. However, she's an indigenous woman with a wife in Wyoming. Now, in the midst of all this, a mysterious person named Autumn shows up and wants to stay on the Abbott's land for a while. Why? Where's she coming from? How's she find them? She's all alone and seemingly she has money and the Abbott's need money. Also a neighboring family, they don't need money. The Tillersons warn the Abbott's that the Abbott's have encroached on Tillerson land. Hmm. 
And before that morning, the Tillerson patriarch, played by Will Patton, I mean, very strange, but very good by Will Patton. He called the Abbots with an ominous message. And if all of that weren't enough, weird things have been happening to Royal. He's been losing track of time and the like. And then he finds something quite strange on the ranch land, a void. What does that mean? Well, things are about to get worse as everything comes to a head, but will those impending and continued trials lead to some sort of enlightenment? Will there be a way out? And what exactly was the way in? Okay, yeah. <laughs> this show begins to settle into itself in episode two, I'd say. I did finish the whole season. It finds some sort of groove and moments of humor in episode four, probably. But it's a weird one. Weird, 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 weird. So the question is, does it earn its weirdness? Right? Because even when you get to the Tillersons, uh, there are three sons. Two of them are playing a major role. And one of the two is played by Noah Reed. Now, if you're going, wait a minute, Noah Reed, who's that? He was in Shit's Creek. Okay. He was uh, David's boyfriend, that whole thing. You know. So he's here. And like every now and then he'll start singing, like full on singing. Okay. Driving his brother, like full on Whitney Houston singing. Okay. I forgot which Whitney Houston song he sang. It was just like, <laughs> like, and that's not the only one. Also, they have a mother. Where is she? What happens when she comes in? Mm-hmm. It's weird. So, The question is, does it earn all of that weirdness? Well, I would say for a certain kind of viewer, the answer would be mostly. I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, the actors get the job done. They seem to know what this is about, even when we don't. Also, there was enough going on to keep me invested in figuring out what in the world's going on here, if that's possible, and how things connect. But does any of this make sense? Is it supposed to? Does that matter? Now, back to the kind of viewer this would work for, it would probably work best for, uh, think of it this way, if you like Westerns and thrillers along with The Twilight Zone and or Lost, this is probably your thing. No way. It's a strange mix that works better than it should, though imperfectly. You just have to be on its wavelength. And one last thing, don't watch this with the lights on. Have them off. That's going to help you. Hmm. All right, guys. So listen, we Would you have... watch this producer. I'm in- interested. Would you watch Outer Range? It seems interesting. I'd give it an episode or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and remember to keep my lights on. Off. 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 <laughs> remember to keep my lights off. Don't watch turn the, the lights, lights on. Yeah. That's what Beyonce should have said in that song instead of turn the lights on. I mean, she oh. says a sweet dream or a beautiful nightmare either way i don't want to wake up but then she says turn the lights on explain that beyonce it'll be turn the lights off if you don't want to wake up <laughs> i don't know her dreams look like Rick. <laughs> you could be a sweet dream or a beautiful, or a beautiful night. nightmare are the lights yeah. on in that story no they're off <laughs> Listen, all right, guys. Well, we are going to love the song. Oh, no, wait. Oh. <laughs> I 
because we we have gone around we have gone around the globe we have gone around the the uh <laughs> we've educated you on how to offend <laughs> politely <laughs> told you how to butcher a name respectfully and we've also shared some uh cool things for you to watch on tv not yet released on tv and in the movie realm so until next time Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.